Good morning. My name is Keith, and I'm also one of the pastors here at Richfield Community Church. And uh, I get to share this morning uh, about John 15, John chapter 15. And uh, I had no idea that John chapter 15 was controversial. I had, I had no idea, but once again, you know, Todd set me up, you know, he embroiled me in controversy. So uh, abide in Jesus. That's what we're going to be talking about today. Abide. You're going to hear it. Abide, abide, abide. You're going to hear it 14 different times in all kinds of different ways. I didn't know that it was controversial, but I'm going to say abide in Jesus. I'm not going to say abide in Jesus. Okay. So I need you to hear the difference. I'm going to say, abide in Jesus. I'm not going to say, abide in Jesus. Okay? Everybody got it? So let, let me show you a picture just so, you know, uh, abide in Jesus. Everybody got it? I'm not going to say, abide in Jesus. <laughs> right? See, because it could be confusing if you heard abide in Jesus. It's, it's abide in Jesus, right? So, and that's no knock against the president. That's just, you know, his name. And it really is the, the top, I mean, it's about half of the sermon is abiding in Jesus. So now you're going to hear that and you're going to see that the whole time. <laughs> so... <laughs> I'm going to have it on my wall later just in case you want it. So chapter 15, we're up in that upper room with Jesus still. He's, he's washed their feet. He's, he's had uh, Judas leave the room and he says, what you're going to do, go do it quickly. And Judas leaves and all the disciples are like, what's going on? Where's Judas going? And then he predicted Peter's denial. And he said, Peter, you're going to deny me three times. And the other disciples are like, oh, my goodness, Peter's the rock. What, how, how is this happening? What's going on? On that same night of the betrayal of Judas, Jesus gives two commands, and we're going to deal with both of them, uh, that establish what true disciples of his do. Both commands are essential. Both commands require action. And both of them are for our joy if we are Jesus' disciples. So we're going uh, to jump into the text. And there's a lot you're going to hear abide, I'm telling you, 14 different times. So, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me. And I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers and the branches are gathered thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. 
If you keep my commandments, you abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. And you are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know his master's doing. But I have called you friends, for all that I have heard from my father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you so that you will love one another. Let's pray. Father, would you teach us this morning through your spirit, through the word that you inspired, Lord, would you now impress it? On our hearts, would you help us, Lord, to, uh, to be the kind uh, of disciples that Jesus is encouraging the disciples to be here? Lord, would you help us? Would you empower us? In Jesus' name, amen. So, a long passage, but I think it breaks down into two very clear sections. Um, and he, he, he uses this metaphor of the vine, and he starts with, I am the true vine. And as I read it this week, it just made me laugh a little bit because he says, I'm the true vine. And so kind of sets up that maybe there's somebody else using this metaphor, like I'm the true vine. That other guy over there is an imposter vine. And it's just a metaphor I wouldn't imagine people are clamoring for or people are fighting over. But what it does is it, it, it goes back to Israel, it goes back to Psalm 80, where God calls the nation of Israel a vine. Uh, you, you, God, transplanted a vine from Egypt. You drove out the nations and you planted it. You cleared ground for it. It took root and it filled the land. The mountains were covered with its shade, the mighty cedars with its branches. Its branches reach as far as the sea. It shoots as far as the river. Um, why, God, have you now broken down its walls so that all who pass by pick its grapes? So talking about Israel, and Israel has been kind of trampled, and it's, it's in disarray. And uh, 16 now, your vine is cut down, it's burned with fire. At your rebuke, your people perish. But then this, this glimmer of hope at the end of the psalm, let your hand rest on the man at your right hand, the son of man that you have raised up for yourself, then we will not turn away from you. Revive us and we will call on your name. So this, this prophecy back in the Psalms of, you know, Israel is this vine, but it's been kind of broken down and people are abusing it. But one day, this man who is at God's right hand would come, the son of man who would restore God's people, restore God's kingdom. So Jesus very specifically uses this metaphor of the vine. This is the last of those I am statements, and it is I am the vine. Remember, you all, you all read it. You knew it from Hebrew school when you were a kid in Psalm 80 that there would be someone who would come and restore God's people, this vine, this vineyard that God had planted. I am that vine, Jesus says. He says, I am the true vine. And my father 
is the vine dresser. Now, vine dresser is not a word that I am, you know, uh, use very often. So in here, you'll see, I just call him the gardener. <laughs> I hope that's okay. Um, it's just easier for me than vine dresser. Um, and you all, the disciples, those who are following Jesus, you are the branches. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it would bear more fruit. So just to summarize the, the, the basics of this metaphor, Jesus says, I am the true vine. God is the gardener who is tending to this vine. The disciples and we who follow Christ are the branches. The disciples, we are intended to bear fruit. We're made to bear fruit. We're encouraged by the gardener to bear fruit. And there are very bad negative consequences if we don't bear fruit. The disciples, Jesus says, are already cleaned, pruned, ready to bear fruit. And for those of us who have chosen to follow Christ, we have been prepared by Jesus, pruned, and are continued to be prepared to bear fruit. So the rest of the whole passage is what does that look like? How do we do that? Okay, Jesus, you're the vine. We're the branches. We need to stay connected to you. What does, what does this mean? How do we be good branches? So he gives these two commands. He's summing up what it means to follow him through this passage. First command, abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you bear fruit unless you abide in me. Apart from me, you can do nothing. This first command from Jesus uh, is our, our, our phrase for the morning, abide in Jesus. Um, but I like that phrase and I use it for the joke, but... I, I don't think we use the word abide very often. I don't know about you, but it's one of those Bible words that I only see and hear in the Bible and I never hear or see anywhere else. Um, so I've put it in different words for me because I can, I can say all the Bible words, but if, if they don't have a meaning to me, if they don't attach to something in my head and heart, then, then they're not helpful. So the way I've rephrased it is experience Jesus' love and keep experiencing it. That's what abide means. That's what, abide has this idea of stay, remain, build your house here, stay here, live here. Abide in Jesus. So experience Jesus' love, who he is, and stay there. Keep experiencing it. It's an ongoing uh, action. And then he gives us the reasons. He gives us the, the backing for why. It is our only way to life. Back in, in the previous chapter, a few, uh, a few verses ago, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. And then in our passage today, he says, if anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. Now, I've phrased it very positively. Jesus is the only way to life. But I also need us to hear the flip side of that positive truth. 
is that every branch not connected to Jesus does not have life, spiritual life, eternal life. And he describes it very graphically. They're taken away. Thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burnt. So it's true, Jesus is the only way to life, but we also need to hear, apart from Jesus is only death. Both are true, two sides of the same coin, and and we need to understand what I think the, the disciples understood, this is a big deal. These commands Jesus is giving, these are a big deal. This is the the central, this is his last night with them. And he's summing it all up. You guys need to know, sticking with me, experiencing my love and continuing to experience it is a really, really big deal. It's our only way to life. It's our only way to the Father. You remember he, in John 14, he's like, I'm going away, I'm going to the Father. And, and Philip says, well, we don't know the way, we don't know how to get there. You know me. And I am that way to the Father. He says it again here, stay connected to the vine and you stay connected to the gardener. It is our only way to lasting joy. I know you saw it as we read through that joy word. I hope it it pops out when you read it. These things I have spoken to you that my joy, my eternal joy that I've had from before the creation of anything with the Father would be in you and your joy might be full. And it's our only power to produce fruit. You saw as we went through the text, Jesus says, as a branch, you guys, we don't interact in in an agricultural society as much as these guys would have, but we still know You know, if you take off a branch from a tree, from a bush, from a vine, from whatever, that thing, that that branch we just took off is not going to keep on growing and keep on living. As a branch cannot bear fruit by itself if it's removed from the rest of the plant, so also neither can you unless you abide in me, unless you stay connected to me, experience my love and continue experiencing it. So for me, I get, uh, I get a great privilege to work here. Um, and, uh, and I owe that to all of you. And I'm not just saying that because you pay my salary. I'm saying it because I get to experience God's love through you all. I get to experience it. Now, it started with my family. I got, uh, I got introduced to Christ through my family. Um, but then in college, uh, my first year of college, like abide, I knew all the church words, but they didn't mean anything. They didn't connect to anything in my head and heart. Um, and so my freshman year, my, uh, my roommates called me on it. They said, you, you know a lot of things about church, about Jesus, but it doesn't seem that they've really connected that this is really what you're about And it was true. So a big change there. And that was 93, 95, I came here with Trisha. Um, And and she grew up here, so she was already here. But I've been here since then. 
and through you, through a, a life group with uh, Mike and Laura Boblet, with a life group with Young Marys, with uh, the life group that I'm a part of now, just experiencing God's love through those friends as we live life together. Um, through the, the different ministries that I get to be a part of and work with, um, through Stephen Ministry, through Benevolence, I get to see God's love and that gives me a, a, a great advantage. Uh, I get to see it on a regular basis and experience it for myself. I love to read old dead guys, you know, old, old books of guys who've been dead for 100 years or whatever, you know, John Calvin and, and John Owen, Jonathan Edwards, only Johns. I only read Johns. Um, <laughs> but I get, to, I get to experience from them their relationship, their experience with Jesus, and then I get to learn from that. Uh, I learn from living old guys like Todd. I get to learn <laughs> about, uh, I get to learn from him what it looks like to love Jesus. As you might guess, uh, Todd is a little particular about things. He's passionate about things. So just a couple of weeks ago, he asked his staff as we we're sitting in a staff meeting, you know, tell me about you and Jesus. And, you know, everybody's going around and sharing. And I shared uh, something that was, was going on with me. It was my dad's. 80th birthday, and that was, you know, there were encouraging things in my family. And uh, we, we talked later, we talked afterwards. He said, you know, you didn't really answer my question. I asked you how you and Jesus are doing. You told me about some encouraging things, and that's cool, but I want to know about you and Jesus. And, uh, and so I, I'm grateful. I get that focus on my experience with Jesus without... Uh, without letting it be diluted by other things. You know, it's great to get it through books. It's great to get it through, through groups. It's great to get it in all those ways, but it's got to be my personal experience with Jesus. So I'm very grateful for that. I, I learn and I experience Jesus through all of you. And it, it, I hope that you're having some of those same experiences as well, where you in your life group, in your women's Bible study, in your men's uh, camping, man camp, or whatever, like you're experiencing for yourself that love of Jesus and finding opportunities to, to keep experiencing it. So the second command now, this is my commandment. <laughs> he couldn't have made it any more clear. Here it is. You want the first one? I got it. Command, abide in me, remain in me, experience my love and stay there. Second one, here's my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. And here's how I just summarized it. Express Jesus' love and keep expressing it. Again, we can hear love, 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 and it was just Valentine's Day and we can get all confused about, you know, oh, love, what, you know, what, how does that relate to Jesus? We're going to experience his love for us. And we're going to express it to others and keep expressing it to others. It has that ongoing action. Love one another as I have loved you. These disciples didn't need this explanation, but I'm, I'm going to pull it apart for us. They had been with him for three years. They'd been walking with him. They'd been living with him. They'd spent every day for the last three years pretty much with Jesus. They knew Jesus loved them. But they knew it through his actions. They knew it through his word. So he demonstrated his love through those three, three years. 
We talk about a God-glorifying, loving action here at, at RCC, and we, we talk about it uh, primarily probably in the staff, but I know we've dealt with it from the stage as well. But what is it, what constitutes, you know, what is a, a, a loving action, you know, for someone else? So we have three ingredients. First one is, I happily give something of myself, my time, my effort, my stuff, whatever it is. I happily give of myself to someone else for their good, for their benefit. It meets some need in them, hoping, third ingredient, hoping that they might see God through my actions. They might see that my actions are are empowered and are the overflow of what God has done in my heart. So we do something that costs us something that benefits someone else, and we do it with the hope that they might see God in and through whatever it is that we're doing, okay? So if that's our, our understanding of what God-glorifying love looks like, Jesus demonstrated that in that he chose them. He chose these 12 knuckleheads, as we call them, and he loved them. He poured into them. He, he put up with them with all of their failures, with all of their idiosyncrasies, with all of who they are, he chose them and he demonstrated his love to them every day, patiently walking with them, patiently walking alongside them for three years, teaching, training, loving them in practical ways. And on this same evening, just moments before this teaching, he washed their feet in this really graphic upside down way that they never would have expected. That was never the way a teacher treated a student in that day. That wasn't even a way that Jewish slaves were comfortable serving their master. They would make a Gentile slave wash the feet. It was so demeaning. And yet Jesus did it for his disciples. He demonstrated his love for them. And on this same evening, where we are going in the story, Jesus is arrested, and he is going to give the fullest demonstration of his love. Greater love, he says in this teaching, has no, no one than this, that someone laid down his life for his friends. If we go back to that, those three ingredients, happily giving of my resources, no one has greater love than that they would give everything all they have, their very life for their friends. And that's what Jesus did on this just, just hours after this discussion. He's arrested, he's tried, and he's crucified. They knew Jesus' love because he showed it to them in concrete physical, relational ways. He demonstrated his love. So when he's commanding them, love one another the way that I have loved you, they have very specific things in their mind of how he has loved them. But he also spoke of his love for them. It wasn't just actions. It wasn't just what he did for them. He spoke to them and he made known the father's loving plans. He said, no longer do I call you servants for a servant does not know his master's doing, but I have called you friends because everything that I have heard and received from the Father, 
I have made known to you. I've talked to you about it. I've told you about it. I've put it into words so that you could understand. He called them friends. Didn't have to do that, but he showed them through his words that he had affection for them. He told them that he chose them. He didn't just choose them. He told them, I chose you. You didn't choose me. I chose you. This is not by accident that you're here. I chose you that you should go and you should bear fruit and that fruit should abide. So he demonstrated his love. He spoke of his love. Now for us, we may think, you know, I, I've heard a bunch, you know, I, I, don't, uh, I don't talk so much about Jesus. I just live it out, which is great. I love that we would live it out. But there may be times, just as Jesus did, where we speak of our love, where we speak of what is overflowing in us. We speak of our experience with Jesus. We talk about it. It comes out. It comes up in conversation. And so demonstrating love obviously is vital and valuable. And whether it comes before our speaking or it comes after our speaking, it, there, I'm not trying to create a formula. I'm just saying, at least for Jesus, it came with both, demonstrating and speaking. And so for me, I have opportunities uh, not only here where I get to express Jesus' love like uh, in benevolence or like in, in ministry opportunities, but in my, in my world, wherever I go, I have opportunities um, to just share what Christ has done. I, I get to pour out and demonstrate and speak the experience of Jesus' love. So I'm a part of a, a veterans organization that uh, is called the American Legion in Corona. And the only reason I, I, I'm in the group uh, is that I might be able to, to be there when these guys are struggling and need to know about Christ's love. Um, or, you know, where we go, we talk to this 21-day uh, initiative and all the places that we go in our lives. You know, not just, uh, you know, uh, an American Legion meeting, but, you know, my wife and I, we have three kids and they're all involved in uh, baseball or basketball or cheer or whatever. So every one of those places is an opportunity where I get to, I get to have conversations with folks that don't know Jesus, that have not experienced his love. In fact, a lot of them have experienced from Christians a lot of things that aren't very loving. And so I get to just talk to them about Jesus' love at the cheer practice <laughs> where I sit in the gym uh, or at the basketball practice on the baseball field, wherever it is. And we all have those opportunities where we get to speak and we get to demonstrate what Christ has done for us. And we get to put it into a very human package. And it gets to be demonstrated and lived out with people who desperately, desperately need to see it. Because that imagery of the branch that is disconnected from the vine is the truth that they are living in. Now, that's not to say they can't get connected to the vine. They can. And maybe God wants to use us to do it. But experiencing and expressing Jesus' love is the core of what it means to follow him. 
Two things, experiencing and expressing his love. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. I don't want us to live out of fear, but I hope we're saying, Lord, I want to bear fruit. (laughs) I don't know what that's going to look like, but I'm seeing this warning and I want to bear fruit. I imagine that's what the disciples are thinking. Lord, how do I do this? How do I bear fruit? I don't want to be one of those branches that doesn't bear fruit. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. The branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. Lord, help us to experience your love. To really experience it for ourselves. How are we and Jesus doing? Not all the things. How was church this morning? How was Keith's sermon this morning? How were the songs this morning? None of that. How am I doing with Jesus? Now, the way we typically talk about experiencing and expressing um, uh, the love of Jesus is this R cubed. You guys know this picture? R cubed, right? I'm not teaching anything new that isn't in this R cubed, right? So R1, experiencing Jesus' love and keep experiencing it. Our relationship with God. That's all it is. R2 and R3, we're expressing Jesus' love and keeping on expressing Jesus' love to others. This is not new. This is not different. It's just different words for the same ideas. R cubed is this Christian life. It is following Jesus. Experiencing Jesus' love and expressing it to others. So, We're going to end here. It is for our joy. Now, I know we say that a lot. I know that it can be, you know, kind of white noise, right, right, joy, joy, right, right. Supposed to be happy about this, right. I got it. Um, But if we're talking about Jesus on the last night with his disciples telling them, here's what it means to be a disciple. Here's the core. Here's the essence of it. I've boiled three years of it all down for you guys tonight. Here's what you need to know. Be connected to me. Stay connected to me. And express that connection to whoever you come in contact with. And the result is joy. At the core of what Christianity is, no matter what your experience has been to the contrary, Jesus is saying at the core of what it means to be a disciple, to follow him, it results in joy in us and through us results in joy in others. These things I have spoken to you, these things I'm telling you on the last night that we're together so that my joy may be in you. And that joy is eternal. That joy is God's joy. That joy is pure That joy has been with him since before the creation of the world and he wants it for us. That my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. The two essential ingredients of of Christianity, experiencing his love and expressing it, are for our joy. So lest you think we made it it up because we just liked that fruit of the spirit better than the others, that's not true. (laughs) It is Jesus' teaching that 
joy would be the center. And the new fruitful branches would get, answer, would get added. He says, I chose you and appointed you that you would go and bear fruit and that your fruit would abide. Now that fruit is, is all the results of experiencing Jesus' love, right? It's all the ways that that comes out of us. But he says that your fruit may abide. I think he's talking about those branches that are remaining in the vine, that people would stay connected to Jesus. They would get connected to Jesus because they saw him in and through us. And wouldn't that make us happy that these branches that were headed for the fire get connected to the vine, get restored, they bear fruit, and they help other branches get connected. And then God gets glorified. Whatever you ask in my name, when you get connected to me, you get connected to the gardener. And as you're working to experience me and experience more of me and express me to others, you can ask the gardener, you can ask the father for anything you need in that process and he will give it because it is his joy and it is his glory that the son be glorified in what you do. By this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As we experience Jesus' love, we express it. Jesus gets glory. God gets glory. We get joy. So here is our takeaways for, uh, for today. Nothing beyond these two things. That we would experience Jesus' love and keep on experiencing it. Not a one-time event. Finding ways, finding books, finding people that help us experience Jesus' love for ourselves, us and Jesus. And then we express it. We find ways, we find places. Starbucks, cheer, basketball, the neighbors, whoever God brings in our path. I don't know what that will look like for you this week. But this is what it looks like. We experience Jesus' love and we keep experiencing it and we express it to others. Heavenly Father, would you help us? We want to be those vines that are connected to you. We want to be those vines that produce fruit. We want to experience more of your love. And Lord, if, if we need more instruction, if we need more ways, if we need more power, Lord, we know that we need you to provide it. So, Lord, we are dependent on you, not only for what we want to do, but we're, we're dependent on you for even being able to do it. Lord, would you give us the power? Would you lead us? Would you fill us for your glory and for our joy? Amen. <laughs>